0: Folks, I'm going to tell you something. What we need um, each and every time that we come together as the people of God is just a fresh touch from heaven. Amen? To be in the presence of Almighty God. There's nothing more special than that. Every time I hear that st- song talking about us surrendering unto the Lord, um, our soul being completely surrendered to Him, I can't help but think of two of my favorite verses in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I don't want you to turn there. You turn to Hebrews chapter 4 if you want right now. But um, I want to read to you these two verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. How many of you know that's what God's called us to do? To present ourselves unto him. To stand surrendered before the Lord. Lord, it's not about what I want, but what you want. It's not about who I am, but who you are. Lord, you lead, you guide, you direct. I present my body unto you, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, I love how he puts that. He said, it's just reasonable that we are to give our life unto Jesus, for Jesus gave his life for us. That's just reasonable. That just makes sense. Jesus gave his life so that we might really know what living's all about, so that we might have eternal life. And in return, he said, what God wants from you is to present yourself surrendered unto him. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Dr. J. Vernon McGee said something about Romans 12, 1 that I've never forgotten. He said uh, that the only problem with a living sacrifice is that sometimes that sacrifice wants to crawl off the altar. (laughs) That's my problem from time to time. We are called to be living sacrifices. A sacrifice in the Old Testament was an act of worship under the Lord, an act of faith. Can you say amen? But now listen to me. That's what we're called to be in the New Testament. Living acts of worship. The only problem is Many times we try to crawl off the altar. Turn with me, if you haven't already, to Hebrews chapter 4. That's not my message, but I just had to say that. Hebrews chapter 4. We'll be looking again this morning at these first 11 verses. We're going to try, if it be the Lord's will, to finish up um, Hebrews 4, verses 1 through 11. We began this message last week, and I entitled it, if you remember, "Rest." For the weary. I want to quote one of my mentors, one of my teachers, Dr. Ronnie Barefield. He's my teacher over at the Bible Institute, and I love Dr. Ronnie. He always says that his messages are just like a big old hunk of bologna. He said, You can cut it off whenever you get ready to cut it off, and then when you get ready for another hunk, you can go back right back to where you left it and start again. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to try this morning to finish up that bologna sandwich we started last week here in Hebrews chapter number four. We're going to talk about Rest for the weary. Listen to what he says. Let us therefore, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now what's he saying here? Well, the writer's telling us, I don't want anybody coming short of what God has for you. And, and Mount Zion Baptist Church, that's my prayer for us. How do you know, I don't want to miss out on anything God's got for me. And you don't need to miss on anything God's got for you. Because listen, he who loves you best is going to give you exactly what you need when you need it. And I don't want to miss any of that. I want what God has for me. I don't want to come short of anything God wants for me and my walk with him. Verse 2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Now watch this next part. I love this. But the word preached did not profit them. He said, the word that was shared, even though the God's... How many believe this morning God's word's powerful? Well, if God's word can speak worlds into existence, you know that's what happened in Genesis chapter 1. God, just by His spoken word, brought the world, the universe into existence itself. If it's that powerful, then, how many know it's still that powerful today? God's word has the power to change hearts and change lives, to profit us who's willing to hear it. But it didn't profit them in the Old Testament he's speaking of because it wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard it. Wow. We're going to talk a lot about that this morning. Mixing with faith God's word. How many of you know if you don't mix it with faith, it won't profit you either and it won't profit me. God's word has the power to do what needs to be done in your life. But it must be mixed with faith. Let us pray. Father God, we love you. We are so very thankful for who you are and for what you've done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness that comes freely through the cross. Lord, you're good to us. We praise you for who you are and for what you've done. Lord, we need you this morning. For without you, I can do nothing. But I'll understand that with you, by your power, Holy Spirit, I can do all things. I can be pleasing in your sight, not by my ability, but by your power. And so, Lord, I'm asking this morning that you fill me up, that you pour me out, that you use me for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. Rest for the weary. Let me ask you, do you ever get weary? Do you ever get worn down and and wore out? I think all of us from time to time as we live um, in this world, in this fallen creation, we get weary. Now I told you last week, if you look at the word weary, the first thing you see is the word wear. And that's exactly what happens. Many times the cares of this life seem to wear us down. Sometimes we get wore down physically. Can you say amen? I mean, when you've got to do all that you've got to do um, day by day, week by week, year by year, and the older you get it, that has a lot to do with it, you get wore down physically. When you have physical problems, when you have physical struggles, many times it just you just get wore down and wore out physically speaking. All of us do. It happens to each and every one of us. Let me tell you why. We're only human. Amen. And sometimes we think ourselves to be so strong when we're, really we're not. The Bible comply, compares man uh, to a flower and grass that wither, withers. It's here one day and it's gone the next. We think ourselves so, so, so many times to be so strong and independent. But truly we're not. We are so weak when it comes right down to it. We get wore out physically. But that's not the only way we get. Many times we get wore out emotionally. Amen. We get discouraged, down and out, and depressed. And a lot of people think just because you're a child of God that that don't happen to you. Let me assure you, it can and does happen to the people of God. It happened in the Word of God. I love King David. Let me tell you why I love King David. King David just told the Lord exactly what was going on. He didn't hide anything from, from the Lord. Listen, if he was on cloud nine and, and everything was hunky-dory and hallelujah, he just praised Jesus for it. Can you say amen? Go back and read his writings. You'll find that. But when he got this as low down as he could possibly get, he told the Lord about that too. When he was struggling, when he was depressed, when he was discouraged, he'd cry out unto the Lord. And folks, I'll tell you, that's a lesson for us all. If we're going to be men and women after God's own heart, just like David was, we just need to be real before the Lord. Many times we too enter into times of emotional weariness. Where we're discouraged, we're depressed. We're just wore out. All the cares of life have have just piled up on us. And it seems as though life sometimes will take that rug you're standing on, jerk it right out from under your feet, and you fall flat on your face. And folks, in those times, it's easy to become discouraged. It's easy to become depressed. You just get wore out. Physically. Emotionally. Spiritually, you can even be wore out. I am so very thankful that in a month Dr. David Miller is going to be with us. I can't wait. He's going to come and preach revival service for us. Let me tell you why. We need revival. I need revival. Because from time to time we get wore out spiritually speaking. I told you last week I don't get wore out Uh, uh, folks, of of the word, of of the work of God. I'm not tired of the work. But I tell you, sometimes I get tired in the work. I love what God's called me to do. I praise God for the opportunity to be your pastor. I'm so thankful that He's allowed me to be a part of what's going on right here. We praise Jesus for that. I don't get tired of the work, but I get tired in the work. And so we get wore out for many times physically, emotionally, spiritually. But the Bible promises right here in the Word in these 11 verses, listen, rest for His people. We said there's three types of rest outlined right here in these 11 verses. The first one we talked about last week was the Sabbath rest or the rest of salvation Look down with me very quickly. Let me read to you verse 10. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works. Everybody say, works. As God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So that Sabbath rest or the salvation rest that's available for all of those who trust in Jesus, we find right here in Hebrews chapter number 4 verses number 10, 10 and 11 there. Now let me share something with you folks. I want you to understand and know that before there can ever be rest, there has to be restoration. Men and women, mankind apart from Jesus have no hope. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul put it like this. You are without God in this world. You have no hope. You in your sinfulness apart from Jesus are separated from a holy God. That's me, you, and everybody else. We all came here needing a Savior. We were all born into sin. We sinned in attitude and we sinned in action. We sin by nature. Being born of the nature of Adam who sinned in the garden. Can you say amen? We looked at all that last week. And so because of that, there must be restoration. How are you restored to a right relationship? Well, I'm glad you asked me. Folks, we must rely on Jesus. I had a Sunday school teacher one time. I was a little boy. I remember something she said. She said this, she said to our our Sunday school class one day, she said, Good little boys go to heaven, and bad little boys go to hell. Let me share something with you. That may sound good to your flesh, but it's wrong. Let me tell you the truth we're all bad little boys, we're all bad little girls, born into sin, standing in need of a Savior. All of us came here needing Jesus. And it showed up in our lives. Amen? We've broken God's law. We've sinned in action. We've chose to go our own way and rebel against the God who loved us. But I've got good news for you. The God who loved us has done for us through His Son what's needed for us to be restored into a right relationship with Him. Jesus, the perfect sinless Son of God, was born through the virgin birth, born perfectly, lived perfectly, never did one thing wrong. The 33 and a half years he walked upon this earth, he fulfilled God's law, therefore fulfilling God's righteousness, and then he went to a cross and took upon himself the punishment for my sin, your sin, and the sins of the whole world, so that now all who trust in him, all that rely on Christ, can be restored to a right relationship. I'm going to tell you that's good news. We must rely on the finished work of Jesus. It's not about what you can do. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 10 that if we receive this Sabbath rest, this uh, salvation rest, it's not about our works. It's about who we've trusted in. Listen, salvation is not about you working through self-righteous acts and good intentions to gain what God has for you. Salvation is about you receiving God's free gift by grace through faith. And I'll tell you this, once you receive Jesus by grace through faith, it'll change how you work. I don't work to be saved or to keep myself saved. I work because I am saved. Because he has done what only he can do. You say, "Brother, where do you get that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go back with me to Romans chapter 5. Watch. Romans 5 verse 1. He says, therefore, being justified. That's to be made right in God's eyes. Let's read it like that. Therefore, being made, made right in God's eyes. By faith. How are we made right before the Lord? According to Romans 5 1. By faith. Everybody say, by faith. faith. We are made right by faith, not by our self righteous actions. We must rest in His finished work. He's paid the price. And all we got to do is trust in the fact that Jesus died. For my sin. Listen, Jesus died for your sin. Believe upon him, repent of your sins. The Bible says you can be saved. We're therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord. How do you get peace? By faith in Jesus. Amen. You want peace? You can have it. You want to be at rest in your soul? You can have it. But it's not found in what you can do. In who you are. It's found in the finished work of Jesus. You must rely fully on Him. You've got to receive Him as your personal Savior. You don't just believe that Jesus died for sins. You believe Jesus died for your sin. It was for your sin He went to that cross. The Bible says if you'll believe He died for your sin and rose again the third day, if you'll repent of your sins, turn from your old way and turn toward Jesus, the Bible says you can be saved. Amen. Amen. Salvation rest. Oh, I love preaching that. (laughs) The rest of the Sabbath. Do you know him today? Do you know him? Have you you entered into his rest? See, if you don't get salvation rest, you can't have the Canaan rest we're about to talk about. Let me read to you one verse In, in Matthew chapter number 11. Jesus says it best himself in Matthew 11 In verse number uh, 28, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Watch what he says, and I will give you rest. There's a lot of people laboring in their own ability today, trying to make themselves right with God by their self-righteous actions. And there's just no peace in it. There's no power in it. They just can't seem to get what they need because guess why? They can't obtain it by their own self-righteous works. That means you can't be good enough to get the rest Jesus wants to give you. You can't work hard enough to get the rest that Jesus wants to give you. That's why He tells them, "All oh, you that in the labor and are heavy laden, you're wore down from trying to do it yourself. Stop trying and start trusting." Makes all the difference. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus can and will give salvation rest to all who receive it. And until you get salvation rest, you don't even know what Canaan rest is all about. That's my next point. In Hebrews chapter 4, he speaks about Canaan rest in those first three verses. Keeping in context with the word of God, we got to see where he's coming from in this. If you go back to Hebrews chapter 3, just one, one chapter back there, and look down with me at verse 7. The writer is making reference to the Old Testament story of the children of Israel as they were brought out of bondage in Egypt. Listen to what he says, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of the temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Now look what he says in verse 10. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my way, so I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. So what's he talking about there? What's the writer speaking of? He's speaking about when God took his children, the children of Israel that were in bondage in Egypt, and by Moses brought them out of the land of Egypt and to the land of Canaan do you remember that if you go back and read you'll find the story in Exodus chapter 3 about the call of Moses Moses came upon the wilderness there a burning bush God spoke to Moses from the burning bush and he said something like this he said Moses I've heard the cries of my people by reason of their taskmasters that means they were slaves in Egypt they were being afflicted in Egypt the people of God called out to the Lord and he heard their cry how many of you are thankful God hears the cry of his people Amen. Me too. And so he heard their cry. He sent Moses to do for the people what they couldn't do. Moses became their deliverer. Moses is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. He came to Egypt. He brought the word of God. And as he brought the word of God through the shedding of the blood of the Lamb, the children of Israel, by faith, walked out of Egypt. That's a perfect picture of the church today. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you what happened with me. I was once in bondage to my sin. I had no hope. I had no peace. Just like the writer says in Ephesians chapter 2, I was without God, without hope in this world. Strangers from the covenants of promise. That's where I was. But then, I trusted in Jesus and all that changed. Amen? Amen? I went from being in the slavery of my sin, in slavery to my sin, in the bondage of sin, to being set free in Christ. The Bible says, Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so the picture in Exodus of how God brought his children out under the blood is the picture of the church and how we are brought out under the blood of Christ. He shed his blood for the permission of sin. Can you say amen? He's made me new in him. But now let me me share something with you. There was a promise made to Moses as well. If you remember, God told Moses, I've got a land prepared for them. Canaan land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now a lot of people want to compare Canaan land to heaven. But I think that's a terrible comparison. Let me tell you why. You go on and study about Canaan land, you're going to find that when they entered into Canaan land, they had to fight a little bit. There was a battle at Jericho or they had to fight. Can you say amen? Then listen, you go a little, uh, a little bit further, and, and listen, they lost some battles in Canaan land when you read on in the book of Joshua. And so that is a terrible comparison to heaven. How I mean, you know when we get to heaven, we'll no longer have to fight anymore. The battle's already been won. Canaan land is not about heaven. That's not what that picture's for us. Canaan land is about our land, our land of milk and honey what is that well jesus said it like this john chapter 10 verse 10 the thief comes not but for to steal kill and destroy but jesus said i have come that they might have life and life more abundant let me tell you what our canaan land is abundant life that is the promise We have been given to all who trust in Jesus. But let me share something with you. Too many times the children of God forfeit God's best for their lives. They forfeit the rest they can have day by day. They forfeit the peace. They forfeit the power. They forfeit the purpose that God has for each and every one of his children. Let me tell you why. Well, just what it said there in Hebrews chapter 4. Just like those people didn't mix with faith God's word. They missed out on the promise. We sometimes don't mix with faith God's promises to us and we miss out on the promise. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. You remember the story. I'm not going to go over there and read it to you. I want you to go back and read it in your quiet time this week. You'll find in, in Numbers chapter 10 that there was a cloud that led the children of Israel by day, and the Bible says a pillar of fire by night. The moment they left Egypt, on their way to the promised land, there was a cloud out in front of them in the daytime and a pillar of fire at night. That way they couldn't lose their way. As long as they kept their eyes on the cloud, as long as they followed the cloud, they were going to be doing where God wanted them to do, going where God wanted them to go. Day and night. God continually leading his people. Can you say amen to that? How do you know God wants to lead you? God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life as His people. If you put it into Sabbath rest, if you put it into the rest of salvation, you can have Canaan rest, but you've got to do it God's way. He's got a plan for you, He's trying to lead you, He wants to lead you. Amen? Now, let me tell you what happened you go on and you read in the book of Numbers to about the 13th, 14th chapter, you're going to find they came right to the edge of Canaan land. Now there was a border called um, the Jordan River that that bordered the wilderness and the the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. Right across the river was everything God had promised for them. All they had to do was just follow the cloud because guess what? The cloud was already over there. But they stopped at the border. And the Bible says they sent 12 spies out, a spy from every tribe, to look over the land. And they come back and they they brought good news. They said this land is everything God said it would be. It is the land flowing with milk and honey. As a matter of fact, they cut down a cluster of grapes. And when they cut down that cluster of grapes, it took two men to carry it. And so everything that God had promised was right there in the land. All the provision the people needed was right there in the land. All the abundant life they wanted was right there in the land. The cloud was over there. But guess what happened? Ten of the men came back saying there's no way we can take the land. There's giants over there. They're the sons of Anak. They've got these great armies over there. We're nothing but a bunch of ragtag slaves who spent all this time in the wilderness. There's no way we can go in and take the land from them. They've got walled cities. There's no way we're going to be able to go over there and do what we need to do and take the land. But two of them said, Joshua and Caleb, the Lord's already given us this land. The God who's fought for us before will fight for us again. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm going to tell you something. If there's one thing we need right here at Mount Zion Baptist Church, we need some Joshua's and Caleb's. Who says, you know what? God's already promised it. I believe it. Amen. Amen. These brothers mixed the word of God with faith. And guess what happened? They got to see the promised land. The only problem was it was 40 years later. Because all those people out there that said we're not going in, they rebelled against God and wouldn't, wouldn't uh, go in and, and, and take the land that God had already promised and given. God led them around the wilderness till they all died. And the only two that entered was Joshua and Caleb of that generation. Now what's the message for us? Folks, we face giants daily, don't we? Hey, listen, we battle daily as the people of God. But let me share this with you. Whatever battle you face, whatever giant stands in your way, God has promised for you rest. Canaan, rest. How do you receive it? You've got to mix the word of God with faith. Dr. Tony Evans says it like this. He says faith is just acting like God's telling the truth. I think that's good stuff. That's about the best I've ever heard. That's exactly what walking by faith is all about. You see what God says. You believe it. You act on it. You apply it. Let me give you just a few things. Let me give you three verses. Can I give you three verses this morning that I'll promise you will help you enter into Canaan rest If you'll mix it with faith. Everybody turn with me if you will please to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3. Verse number 20. If you believe God's word say amen. Watch. Ephesians 3 the 20th verse. The Bible says, None to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Do Do you ever feel inadequate for God to use? I mean, you know as a child of God, you've been saved for a reason, don't you? You know, as a member right here at Mount Zion Baptist Church, you've been saved for a reason. You've been placed here for a reason. But do you ever feel inadequate in doing what God has called you to do? Maybe it's preaching the sermon. I'm going to tell you a lot of times I feel so inadequate to be doing what God has called me to do. Maybe it's teaching the lesson. Maybe it's singing the song. Maybe it's praying the prayer. Whatever God has purposed for you to do. Do you ever feel as though you can't do it? Well, I got good news for you. Good and bad. The bad news is this you can't do it. You're right. Now, you can't do it effectively. I've come to find out I can certainly go through the motions in my power. I can get by. But I'm going to tell you something. I think we've got by far too long in the church. As a matter of fact, I think that's why the church as a whole is in the shape it's in today. We've got by far too long. See, I can get by in my ability, but I can never be effective without the power of God. Amen. And you can't either. But the good news is this. God promises his power to enable you to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. That means God wants to blow your mind with what he can do in you, with you, and through you by his power. Isn't that what Ephesians 3.20 say? Now, how do you know if you'll mix this with faith and apply this to your life? You're talking about some rest for your soul. You're talking about being in Canaan land, enjoying your salvation instead of enduring your walk with the Lord, enduring what you've been called to do. You can enjoy what God has for you. Amen. I'm telling you, it works. You got to mix it with faith, though. See, I've heard it said, and you probably have too God never, ever, ever calls the equipped. But God always equips the called. If you'll say yes to Jesus in whatever area he calls you to serve, I'll promise you this, by his power in you, he can do exceedingly, abundantly above all you can ask or think. Let me give you another one. Go to Hebrews 13, 5. Hebrews 13:5 says let your converse, conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have for he has said watch this now I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now if you ready to claim that promise say amen. Oh, that's weak as water. If you ready to claim that promise say amen. amen. God never leaves you nor forsakes you. Now I'm going to tell you something listen if you don't mix that with faith and start trusting in that right there, you're going to be robbed of your peace. You will forfeit God's peace that he's willing to give because you don't really think, you don't really believe God's with you at all times. You say, brother, sometimes I don't feel like it. Your feelings will fool you. When you get beat down and wore out, your feelings will fool you. Your flesh will lie to you. Are you hearing me? God has not and will not leave you. you said brother, how do you know it? I know it because God's word says it. I've mixed it with faith. I believe it. You can too. Numbers twenty-three, nineteen says, "God's not a man that he would lie." Brother and sister, I'm going to try to tell you the truth. I'm going to try to let my yes be yes and my no be no. I'm going to stand for what I say. I'm going to try to. But guess what? Being a man, I can fail you. I don't want to. It's not my purpose, not my plan, but I can fail you. I don't want to fail you, but I will. I'm just human. But I tell you this, God's not like a man. We found out this morning, didn't we, sister, that God's faithfulness is there for us each and every morning. He's promised. He'll never leave you, so you can trust in it. But if you choose not to mix it with faith, you're going to miss out on that Canaan rest. You hear me? You're going to mix out on that land full with milk and honey. Let me give you one more and I'm done. Philippians chapter 4. How many of you know God is our Jehovah Jireh? That means God provides our every need. Let me tell you something. I am so thankful for that. You ought to be too. Philippians 4, the 19th verse. The Apostle Paul says it like this, but my God shall, not might, not maybe, not could, but shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Y'all see that? Now, I'm a firm believer. You can't claim Philippians 4, 19 unless you've done Philippians 4, 1 through 18. Philippians 4, 1 through 18 talks about how the people of God had gave to the work of God. And because they had honored God in their finances, God supplied their every need. Amen. You've got to keep the word of God in context. But now I want to share share this with you. God has promised to provide for you everything you need. And a lot of us will lose sleep at night worrying about all the stuff we've got to worry about when we don't have to. You're forfeiting Canaan rest. You're forfeiting the peace that God has for you simply because you're not mixing the word of God with faith. God's already said it. You can count on it. If God says he'll supply my need, praise God, bless God, he's going to supply my need. How many of you know? Listen to me. God said in Exodus chapter 3 when he spoke to Moses, Moses, I'm about to bring these people to Canaan land. How many know that right then and there it was a good of doing? It was done. All the people had to do then was mix it with faith to make it real in their own lives. And that's what we've got to do. Mix with faith the word of God to make it real in our own lives. Amen? Amen. Don't miss out on, on God's wrist for you. Don't do it. I'm going to tell you, when you are yoked, to Jesus, there's benefit to that. Dr. Tony Evans, I heard him preaching one time. He told a story about how he had bought a car from a, a new car from a dealership, and uh, something had went wrong with it. It tore up with him on the side of the road, and um, he. Uh, was worried sick about it. He said, man, I didn't know what I was going to do. He said, I had to be somewhere at a certain time. My car was broke down on the side of the road. He said, I jumped out, run around, opened up the hood. He said, I couldn't do nothing with it. Couldn't get it fixed. Couldn't get it to crank. He said, and then I remembered. He said, when I bought that car, I had an, I got an agreement along with buying that car um, with AAA. He said, so what I did, I got on the phone, I called up AAA. He said, you know what they did? They came out there, they took a tro- tow truck, pulled that car up on the tow truck, took it to the place to get it fixed. He said, and in the meantime, dropped me off by the rental place. I, I got my me a rental car and so I-, I didn't miss out on anywhere I had to be or anything I had to do simply because I had an agreement with them. And with that agreement came great benefit. Now that made sense to me. What he's trying to say is this. Because you've been yoked to Jesus, there are great benefits that you can rest in and rely upon, but you will forfeit them if you don't mix God's word with faith. There are going to be things you can't fix. There are going to be questions you can't answer. There are going to be problems that are too big for you to solve. But guess what? Nothing is too big for my Jesus. Nothing. My God is able. He's able for you too. Everybody stand this morning. My invitation to you is this. Do you have the rest that is promised in the Word of God? At the beginning of this message, I told you, you couldn't experience Canaan rest, that abundant life that is promised to the children of God unless you are a child of God, unless you've experienced salvation rest, unless you're resting in Jesus. Let me read to you a story. A lifeguard was on duty when he noticed a gentleman was in trouble. He dove into the water and swam out to the struggling man, stopping about three feet from him. From this short distance, the lifeguard realized that the victim was a large fella. Not wanting to be taken under, the uh, lifeguard considered his dilemma. Not only was his ward sizable, he was also trying to save himself. Now listen. He was panicking. He was in trouble. In an effort to save himself, the man was swinging wildly against the water and was draining his energy quickly. The lifeguard continued to tread water at a short distance, not because he didn't care, but because he was waiting on the man to stop trying to save himself. Watch. He knew that he would be unable to save the drowning man as long as he was using his own methods, insisting on his own strength and relying on his own ability. His cry for help contradicted his efforts to be saved. His approach was hindering the lifeguard's planned approach. Finally, the man's energy left and he had no more fight in him. When he stopped beating the water, stopped leaning on his own understanding, and stopped using his own methods, the lifeguard took over. The lifeguard worked his way around to the man's back, reached over his shoulder, cupped, the chin under, cupped his chin under his head, and put an elbow in the middle of his shoulder blade. This allowed the man's body to come closer to the surface of the water and rest on the hip of the lifeguard as he side-stroked into the edge of the pool. Even though the man was large, the rescue was possible because he was resting on the strength of his safety watch once that man was calm he thanked the lifeguard he gave the lifeguard complete credit because he realized his own resources couldn't have gotten him out of the mess he had found himself in wow Jesus is your lifeguard and all he's waiting on is for you to call on him and receive salvation. There is rest for the weary. Would you receive it today? You say, brothers, I've already been saved. Well then, let me ask you, are you walking an abundant life? Are you struggling? Trying to do what only God can do if you'll allow Him? folks, Mix with faith what God says and move on. Keep looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He'd never leave you. He never forsakes you. If you need to be saved today, come say, brothers who need to be saved. If you just want prayer, want to pray to the Lord, this altar is a great place to do it. Folks, whatever you need, God's Available and able to do for you what needs doing. That's your invitation. Don't wait this morning.